holy house and you are a body builder. You are a holy house and a body builder. Let me show you what I mean. Let's read verse four. It says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. God's intention from the very beginning of time was to live with his people. The whole world in the garden was God's house to do this until sin prevented us from being able to experience God's presence to the fullest. But he still wanted to live and rule amongst his people even though we could not freely do this. So, How does a God who does not live in man-made buildings, who you cannot confine to a space, live with his people? Well, in 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 Genesis, uh, sorry, Genesis and Exodus, God gave Moses specific instructions to build a remarkable tent called the tabernacle. And it was this building here where God would live amongst his people as they went from place to place. His presence would be there. It was a place for sacrifices of animals because of human sin to be made. But the bad news was God was veiled. He was concealed. He was concealed and obscured and unrevealed fully to his people. Now again, I said the tabernacle was mobile. It was moved wherever God told his people to go. But eventually, during David and Solomon's time, The temple would be built. I have a picture of that too. And it would be a more permanent tabernacle. It would be set in stone. But the same concept of God's presence was limited to his people. But that's not how God left it. He didn't leave it at social distancing and he didn't leave it at spiritual distancing. Just as we celebrated at Christmas, God came to live with us personally. Physical buildings would not do. Jesus provided something far, far more personal without walls. He wanted humans to be the dwelling place of God. Jesus replaced the old, te- the old temple, the old, taberna- the old tabernacle with himself. And now we are like many temples that God longs to live in. So Peter's picture here is that God is building a spiritual house in each and every one of us, set apart and different from the world. We are living stones. God uses people to build this structure. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been made into a holy house where the spirit of God resides. And here's the cool thing. As a builder, God has a blueprint a unique layout of his creation of you and me and how he wants us to look. When we give him access, he is dedicated to his building project, all from the process of pouring the foundation to the final finishing touches. The good news is the builder doesn't change. He remains constant and faithful through all of the building process. If something breaks on the inside or if the house starts to fall apart, He refines it and he fixes it. He restores the brokenness. The builder knows the house inside and out, the nooks and the crannies and all of the little tiny hidden spaces. 
the builder adds a unique touch to each and every one of his houses. Other people can tell who built the house. But a house also has a purpose given by the builder. See, a house has many rooms, many purposes, many gifts and desires that get to be explored. A house has doors that gets to let people in. A house has a table where people can eat and converse and communicate and dialogue together. A house is both a community that has, that has families and friends, but a house also lives in community with people next door and people around the block. The house has a foundation rooted in cement and poured by the builder himself. A house does go through wear and tear, experiencing the hot sun of the summer, the wind of the fall, the snow of the winter, and the rain of the spring. And even it goes through the times of pandemic and fear. A house goes through ups and downs. It holds memories that are both good and bad. A house endures supports, and protects. And even more good news this morning is we are his house. We are his house. We are his temple, his building project. God has a unique layout for each of us. Our houses do. Each one of us has a different gift, different purpose, and different desires that we all get to use and figure out how to bless the world around us. We are a community. We are his church, his house, inviting others in, feasting at the table together, experiencing life together, rubbing shoulders with one another, spurring one another on, living in his glory as the great builder. And through it all, through it all, the builder returns again and again and again and never abandons his creation. Now growing up, I had a few different types of, of friends. I had friends who were my outside friends. We'd scooter all over town, we'd go to the park, we'd build forts together, but they would never come inside my house. Then I had my friends who would come over and they would hang out inside about once a year. And usually that was twisting my parents' arm or asking, you know, my parents, hey, could they come inside while they're awkwardly standing right behind me? And my parents were forced to say yes. Then I had the friends who were my sleepover, eat meals with my family, and go places all the time with us friends. I would go to their house and hang out with their family. They would come and do stuff with mine. They were inside my house basically 24-7. They were the hangout 24-7 relationships. And that is what this house that God is building in us is like. He wants the full access relationship to your house. He wants to be connected because he is the source of life. Nobody can build your life, your house better than he can. So as a part of the family of God, your identity and position is a holy house to be used by God. But what does that look like? What does that look like? Again, Peter uses imagery from the Old Testament priesthood to clue us in on what this means that our lives as members of God's family should look like. I have a picture of what an Old Testament priest would have looked like for you to see at some point. <laughs> but before Jesus made a way, there's, there's the picture. So you can see that they were made to display God's glory. Before Jesus made a way for all humans to experience God's presence directly, 
Only priests could enter into God's presence. But they had to approach God in a certain way because his holy presence was not something to mess around with. Now, I've never met the Queen of England. I'm hoping to one day. It's a long shot. But from what I understand, before you meet the Queen, you need to learn some rules of proper etiquette of what to do and what not to do. You need to have some training on what to say and what not to say in the Queen of England's presence. The basic rule is to not be chummy, as they say on the other side of the pond. Don't be chummy with the queen. Don't be overly familiar. Respect and proper etiquette and formality are absolutely essential. The job of the priest of going into God's presence and representing the people was a very tall task. Priests were held to a very high standard, and if they were chummy in God's presence, it could get them killed. God would strike them dead. God's glory is not to be chummied with. With this in mind, they had four main roles to play. Priests had four main roles. One, they put God on display. You saw, you saw their outfit. That is an outfit that puts God on display, and everybody, both inside inside the nation of Israel and outside the nation of Israel. If you saw that, you would say, hey, that man is being put on display for God. Secondly, they helped people navigate the forgiveness of sins. Thirdly, the priest bridged the gap between God and others. The priest would plead, on, uh, plead to God on behalf of man as well as being God's mouthpiece to the people. And lastly, their job was to distribute resources to anybody that had need. That is how they served. It was a high honor, high risk, high reward job. It's a picture of what Jesus would do perfectly years later. Jesus put God on full display when he was here on earth. Jesus helped people navigate the forgiveness of sins and brought restoration between God and man. Jesus bridged the gap between God and others. Jesus pleaded to God on behalf of man and was God's personal mouthpiece to the people. Jesus perfectly distributed physical and spiritual resources to those in need. And because of his death and resurrection, the Old Testament priesthood was no longer needed. It was no longer necessary because people could now come to God directly through the great high priest in Jesus. Peter is now telling us that this priesthood is now our job. Just like the priest, it's a special privilege to be selected for the position. Continue continue reading in verse five with me. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now drop down to verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hear me, City Light. You were chosen for a purpose You are a holy house. You are being built up in order to do two things as part of the priesthood. Offer spiritual sacrifices and proclaim the praises of God. That means as priests, 
we get the job of putting God on display, helping others navigate forgiveness of sins, bridging the gap between God and other people. And we get to join in in distributing resources to those in need. It is a high, honorable, high-risk reward job. God does the work of building, but when we partner with him, we become bodybuilders. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you are a bodybuilder. You are a bodybuilder of his bride, his church, his kingdom. You are a living stone because you came to the ultimate living stone in Jesus. And as a living stone, you have an insider role in building this in, in building this holy building project that is made of giving glory to God, restoring what is broken, and putting things back in order. Think of a mammoth, think of the mammoth building structures that are all across the globe. The Great Wall of China, the Roman Colosseum, and the and the uh, the Great Pyramids. When you look at it, each stone has a, plays a role in the grand, beautiful structure. Each holds its weight, each gives stability, each adds protection and grandeur, and add, add, just adds to the majesty of, of, of the, the building. It takes millions and millions of stones to complete the structure. I want you to hear this. What God does, not just in us on a personal level, but what God does in us together is very important. We are each these living stones connected to the cornerstone in Jesus. But we cannot build something great for God if we, like a stone, if we, like a stone, sit alone, unattached to the structure. We need each other. We need each other. Even the most simple of stone structures, like Stonehenge, rely on each other for beauty, stability, and structure. We stay attached to community, to fulfill the God-honoring work of a priest because God is the center of our lives. And as a bodybuilder, this, ha- this has meaning to us. As a bodybuilder, we live out our faith and we get to put God on display, just like the Old Testament priests. As a bodybuilder, we are ready and quick to ask for forgiveness when we sin. It also means that we are ready and quick to forgive people when when. Uh, people sin against us. We listen to someone confess. We hear their heart and graciously restore our relationship with them. As a bodybuilder, we genuinely care about others' relationships with Jesus, not their circumstances, not just, not just what they're going through, but their deep relationship with Jesus. That's what we want to push each other towards. It means we need to be in proximity with people who are lost, hurting, and broken to bridge the gap between God and their lives. That involves listening to other people share their stories without interjecting. It also means that we need to be closely listening and pleading with the Spirit of God as we pray for other people. And when we listen to other people's hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and listen to God, we are in a very unique position to lovingly share the good news of Jesus in a way that people need to hear. And lastly, as a bodybuilder, we have an incredible opportunity to distribute resources to those in need. There will always be people who have enough and more than they need. And there's also going to be people forever that have need and don't have enough, both ends of the spectrum. And we, as bodybuilders, get to bring some of our extra 
and help others. It goes against much of the mindset of America and self-preservation and protecting ourselves and making sure that we are good to go. But this kingdom of priests and representing God is all about self-sacrifice and helping others by giving it all away because we trust the cornerstone in Jesus. We'll ask you this morning, have you offered your life to him? Maybe you followed Jesus for a while, but have never offered yourself as a living, holy sacrifice, saying, here, God, your servant is listening. What do you want for my life? If you are running because you are scared of the sacrifices that you could be asked to make, I personally, I understand it. I get it. It's hard and it's risky to give up control. Maybe you've never gone where he wants you to go because it's uncomfortable and unknown. Maybe you've never forgiven somebody because you want payback and you want leverage. I get it, I understand. Maybe you haven't brought up Jesus to your family, your coworker, your friend, because the sacrifice of losing the relationship or the awkwardness you might face is too hard to bear. God understands and I understand. I get it. But speaking from experience, personal experience, living in fear is draining. Living in fear of the sacrifice is absolutely draining. But being a holy house that the Spirit takes up residence in, being a bodybuilder, calling others to that relationship with God, being a living sacrifice is the most satisfying, rewarding life possible. It is life to the fullest when you are attached to the, the building structure of God and when he shows up and uses you. There is nothing better. It's when you understand that far greater picture of what God is doing in your life, there is nothing more satisfying. There's a picture, uh, there's a, uh, a story of a chicken and a pig that illustrates this well that I absolutely love. The chicken and the pig are walking down the street one day when they come to a grocery store with a sign in the window that says, bacon and eggs desperately needed. The chicken looks at the pig and says, I'll give them the eggs if you give them the bacon. The pig stares back at the chicken and replies, absolutely no way. I'm not going to do it. And the chicken asks, why not? The pig states, because for you, it's just a contribution. But for me, it's my whole entire life. God has asked each one of us to live our lives as a holy, living sacrifice. Tony Evans states it this way, a sacrifice literally is a dead thing. So the truest interpretation of this term is that we are to be a living dead thing. We are to be alive to God and his desires and will while simultaneously being dead to our sinful nature and our own will. Guys, let's surrender and be all in today. Let's be a living sacrifice Let's be holy houses. Let's be bodybuilders. Let's not, let's not fall for what the world wants to give us. Because when we see the fruit of God's will and desires taking over our lives, taking over because we are holy houses, the other function of a bodybuilder is almost a natural response. The overflow of our hearts will be wanting to, to put God on display. We'll want to be sharing our resources. We'll want to be bringing other people into the fold. We get to praise uh, we get to proclaim his praises and tell the world what he has done in our lives. It'll be a natural response. It'll be our new job description 
as a living stone and a living sacrifice. We get to be speakers of praise. We get to be declares of truth, declares of love, declares of light, declares of forgiveness and truth because we have experienced Jesus. The spiritual house that God is building is designed for his glory, not our own glory. The living stones, the holy house, the bodybuilders are all about Jesus. It's not about us. We glorify the Lord in all that we do. Just remember this morning, you are a holy house. You are a body builder. But I want to finish. There are two responses that we see in verses 6 and 7. You can either pick up the stone and build your foundation with it, or you can leave it on the ground and trip over it and fall. Those who believe will experience honor and will not be put to shame. But those who don't believe and leave it on the ground and don't live as living sacrifices will stumble and will find the stone that the builders rejected, Jesus, an obstacle. They'll trip over it. The call to a faithful life in the family of God is here. I want us to open our eyes and see that Jesus is indeed the Son of God sent to the world to put things back in order. He is the new temple because authentic worship is no longer attached to a place, a building. It's attached to him. I don't want us, church, to reject this call and stumble. He is the immovable rock of salvation for for those who believe, but he's also the immovable stumbling stone for those who do not. City Light, would you this morning build your holy house on his foundation? Would you be a body builder for the rest of the world to see? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for calling us into a far deeper relationship with you than what our own personal sin deserves. Our sin deserves death and separation from you, and yet you entered into the world to give us a personal relationship with yourself. You have offered us forgiveness in a personal way. We don't need to offer sacrifices anymore. We don't need to kill animals anymore. Forgiveness is a free gift between us and you. So I pray that we go into the world and we are forgivers and that we can offer forgiveness and and give forgiveness. I pray that we become a kingdom of priests, that you are doing a work in on a personal level, that we get to do all of these these things that priests did. We get to declare your goodness. We get to show you off. We get to help other people restore their relationship back with you. We get to be mediators of your goodness and what you want to do in the world. And we get to distribute your goodness and your resources to people who don't have much. God, will we take this seriously? Spirit, would you do a work this morning? Convict us, challenge us, draw us near. Will we be holy houses that are open to your goodness, to your truth, 
to your guiding, your conviction, your direction to be used in a powerful way. Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we give you permission to do a work this morning. We love you and we praise you and we give you all the glory. Amen.